Welcome to another... another... Uh, bitch. <laughs> Back the fuck up. Jesus. Um, we're going to do uh, another episode of... Film Creators Processes. Do we have a theme for this one, or is it just Throws It Back that has a theme? Throws It Back has a theme. This one does not. I mean, like, I can make one. You don't go. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, put that that as, like, a Patreon stretch goal. Yeah, that's a stretch goal. make just a theme song. Keep supporting us, and I'll I'll maybe make a theme song. Theme song. Um, We have a bunch of shit to talk about. Yeah, so for today's processes, we're doing three movies again, like we did uh, way back when. Uh Uh-huh. Because one of them we don't. Well, you don't think there's a lot to talk about. I don't. <laughs> I I don't think there is a lot. I I think that one of them is going to take us a longer ta- time to talk about than the other two. Um, but I, I I I don't know. And then we have one that neither of us watched all the way through. Yeah. And then we have one that only I've seen. And that's not really a spoiler. You could probably figure it out just by looking at the title <laughs> of this video. What each of those are <laughs> familiar format so, uh so we're gonna start then with uh i guess the one we both saw in mm-hmm. completion which is velvet buzzsaw <laughs> yeah velvet buzzsaw uh for those who don't know velvet buzzsaw is a movie that is on netflix and it did come out this month so mm. it is absolutely within our rights to do this <laughs> yeah fuck you and if you're listening to this in march fuck you well, also that's, that's that could be I. That could be our fault. I mean, February is a really short month. It, yeah, on, you got it. Come on, you guys got to work with us. You got to work with us on this. <laughs> um, yeah, we watched it. Jay Bearhat, what did you think of Velvet Buzzsaw? I was uh, so it wasn't like I was disappointed in the sense of I went in expecting it to be good, mm. but I was disappointed in the sense that like when I was done watching it, I was like, man, they could have like done not this movie. <laughs> Yeah. There's so many like raw pieces of that movie I really like. I mm. I really really feel like a lot of the ta- the acting in that movie just was wasted. Like um I I've been talking to a lot of people about this. It's like seeing Jake Gyllenhaal play a character that you cannot you don't realize is him at first mm. and then over the course of the film his mental deterioration is reflected in him just turning into Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> so good. Tony Collette, so good. John Malkovich is there. <laughs> he's, in yeah. a, he's in a lot of Netflix movies for some reason. He was also in Bird Box, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's like, some other stuff I was reading. Um, I think he's in a couple of the shows as well. I don't know what his deal is. Maybe they just he just lives on whatever lot they're filming all of these <laughs> on. <laughs> they, they hit the attic with a broom and he tumbles out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... So people kind of described it to me as like a really long Goosebumps episode. Yeah. Um, that was like a, what a friend of ours was saying before we watched it. Yeah. And like if, if that's your taste uh, or, or, or like, you know, if that's something that sounds really interesting to you, um, definitely check it out. It, uh, it's not interesting to me very much. It's definitely got that like. Wasted by their own petard. Yeah. Like, this is like a three-act tragedy, but over the course of a hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... So for those who haven't seen it or are considering watching it um, or just need a refresher, Velvet Buzzsaw is called that because at the end of the movie, one of the characters has a tattoo of a Velvet Buzzsaw and it kills her. I love how you're like, if you haven't seen it, here's the ending. Uh, <laughs> If you haven't, if you watch it, I feel like you can see the title of the movie 
Find out what the premise is. Yeah. See that a character has a tattoo that's velvet buzzsaw and is a saw. Yeah. And go, oh. <laughs> but the, the plot is um, a bunch of caricatures stand around and do funny voices at each other. Yeah. Um, and then one of them finds a bunch of art made by uh, her neighbor who died. Mm-hmm. And he wanted it all burned because it turns out that he has like a curse on him or he's cursed or he has magic powers or he's like an insane warlock. Yeah. It's never really clear. I don't, it doesn't particularly matter that it's not, but the idea is that he wanted it burned. She's disrespecting his wishes. All of these people are just in art for the sake of making a ton of money and they've like lost the true spirit of the Yu-Gi-Oh cards essentially. <laughs> and for that, they all die in like, Basically, Final Destination ways where art kills them. Mm. Uh, and there's that that line where uh, I forget which actress it is, but she's like, "All art is dangerous." Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember what you're talking. It's about. like it's like when Jake Gyllenhaal's character is like, "The art is killing people. We gotta we gotta stop this. All the art's going wacky and killing people." And oh, she's yeah. like, "All art is dangerous. It's oh fine." And then she like gets rid of all of her art in her house this is literally like the last act of the movie oh yeah um and then it turns out she has a tattoo and she didn't get it removed so that's what kills her and that's why the name of the movie is velvet buzzsaw it's like a good punchline um to a really long joke yeah because <laughs> like it's like once you figure out that like the art is killing people then that joke is already like essentially spoiled for you 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 know that they they couldn't set it up anymore what's going to happen with her character at the end of the film. Uh, and I don't know. It was just a fucking long ass movie where a bunch of assholes in the rich ass LA art scene were just kind of like annoying and horrible to each other. And then they all died. Like except Coco, except Coco. We do love, we love Coco. Coco. We do stand Coco. Coco is a, is a pretty, I liked her. I liked her character. I think the writing around her character is really funny where she's just a very like, not normie, but just like a nice, nice-ish girl. She's like a just nice like, person who's good at her job who just like sees dead people. Who just keeps seeing dead people and keeps getting fucked over by the art scene because people are mad and they take it out on her essentially. So she keeps getting fired. But then like every time she gets hired by someone, they're the next person who gets killed by the art curse and she finds their body. And that happens like three times. And I, I really do like the bit where at the at, at the third one when she's like, approaches like the scene you could just like the the actress just the way you can see it dawning on her like fuck god <laughs> fuck and then like she turns the corner and you just you don't see her but you just like you see her just react to it and she just goes like fuck shit <laughs> like, now you, like like both horrified and also like pissed off yeah like, like not again such a such a fucking good gag yeah there there are some jokes in this that are really good that are like again mostly sold by like the talent like tony clutt nails her lines which are very like i'm a villain in a goosebump storylines <laughs> some of the, some of the effects are kind of cool yeah most of the death effects themselves aren't great except um i forget the actress or like what her character's name was but the one who like gets consumed by graffiti art mm. which was like both the stupidest death because it was like oh she dismissed the art of the people and now the art of the people, and by the people we mean, you know, people who make graffiti art, so like poor, sure, yeah. poor non-white people, 
uh, will get her. But I liked the visuals of, like, the paint, like, melting off of the wall and then, like, slowly, like, crawling up her body. Yeah. I thought that, like, I thought the way they executed that was, like, a really interesting visual. I just wish it wasn't really stupid. and, (laughs) And really, like, a friend of mine pointed out, like, the characters that that scene is associated with who are the, like, poor... Um, it's like a black artist and a Latino artist in that scene. And then when you see the art that they make, it's just graffiti art yeah. on, on like in an art gallery. And she's like, do they not know that like, you know, like minority people make other art that that's not like the only form of art mm. <laughs> that they make. It's a, especially, it's a very weird choice in a film that definitely is very familiar with art. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's why it stands well, out. That was kind of the problem that I had with the movie or like the the movie is obviously really familiar with this like art, uh, this like art market um, and is very familiar with like, you know, all, all of these sort of uh, kind of ethics concerns um, and, you know, attribution concerns and things like that. Uh, and then the the style of work that it kind of like parodies and like includes like within itself is all of this like modern art stuff that is like already been lampooned to death like yeah the sort of like oh you know shapes on a canvas in whatever colors and like the really bad joke of like he sees a pile of trash on the ground and he's like oh yeah so then john malkovich is like that's not the art and it's like what a fucking... Or, like, the bit with Tony Collette being dead and they didn't realize she was a corpse because they thought she was part of her exhibit. Like, doing that joke twice... Is so annoying. <laughs> like, you can't like you can't make a movie where you very clearly are super familiar with the art scene and then do that joke once. But yeah. then to do it twice... Yeah. It's just really insulting to your audience. Yeah, it's... And that's that's kind of, like, part of the problem is that the film exists in, like, this weird dimension where it's like, you're gonna what you're going to get out of it is either... Do you know enough about the L.A. art scene to recognize all of these, like, character types? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. <laughs> well, do you like jokes about how modern art is just a bunch of garbage on the ground and paint splatters on a wall? Oh, no? <laughs> well, do you think that art has to be made uh, through suffering and that real artists is all about making art that, like, it's only for yourself, and it's never never for an audience or in conversation with other art. Oh, no, you don't think that either? All right, well, then there's just nothing in this movie for you. I said it as we finished watching it. I, I just hate this movie's idea about art, uh, ideas about art. Yeah, and so... I'm not even, like... Yeah, what were you meaning by that? So, like, I'm not even super into, like, the artist scene and stuff, but it's, like, the kind of, like, message of the film being, like, you know, these people lost the point of art, and they're just in it for money. Yeah. Uh, one is already a, like... I don't know how to tell you this. Everybody who makes art is in it for money. A hundred percent. Like what? Like that is that is wanting to get paid. I get that. Like the idea of lampooning like modern art and how it sells for like hundreds of thousands, and so it caters to the tastes of like boring dumb assholes. But this movie doesn't really touch on that yeah. because the examples it gives of real art is like, oh, you can't find any success because like that's just it. It's not just like some artists don't want success. It's like the 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 subplot with um the guy I was talking about before w. his whole Diggs's character or John Malkovich's character uh the other one oh okay not not John Malkovich's character W Diggs W Diggs yes yeah. uh his character where it's like 
oh, I realized, like, I can't be a successful artist. I have to stay true to my roots making art at the co-op and the dive bar. And it's like, that's a choice that people actually make. But, like, that plus John Malkovich drawing literally just circles in the sand that's going to be washed away because it's like, oh, that's real art because it's just for him. Yeah. It's to me telling you, like, oh, this whole movie believes that art shouldn't be in conversation with other art and that art shouldn't be made with an audience in mind and that's just like a very limiting kind of naive way of art and i'm not saying that art that it is those things is bad or that it's wrong to appreciate or enjoy that art Mm -hmm. but the film definitely is like you either are that or you're uh jake gyllenhaal commenting on giving giving running commentary and bond mets at a fucking dude's funeral oh my god there's no in between you can't be making art for an audience or in conversation or heaven forbid wanting to be financially secure and an artist <laughs> uh or you're not going to make real art you're going to make pee pee art yeah and uh then you're going to get killed by a monkey in a painting everybody wants to just come so close to like the problem is capitalism but they kind of just like yeah s- skirt around it you know what i mean skirt <laughs> <laughs> like doing literally, do- yeah, doing donuts around. <laughs> doing donuts around what the problem is. Because <laughs> then even at the end, they're like, you see the homeless people selling the art and it's supposed to be like, oh no, the art curse is going to live on. But it's like, man, good for those guys. Yeah, they got money. <laughs> like they found like a whole truck of art that's like worth a shitload of money. Like, good. I hope that they're able to like f- survive. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck those guys for selling art, I guess. (laughs) When your movie ends on implying that a bunch of literal homeless people selling art off of the freeway is like equivalent to the cynical exploitation of dead artists' works and like legal bullshit, you've made a move. You, I don't know. Maybe your point of, maybe your values of art are wrong. Also, the, the guy who constructs art having AirPods in is just such a like, Somebody threw that in at the last minute. They're like, oh, no, no, no. one of these characters has to have AirPods. That's <laughs> the, I saw this on Twitter. That's the new, like, that's the new thing about, like, rich people. This is one of those movies where it's like, I hate it. I don't, like, hate it in the sense of, oh, I hate this movie. But I hate it in the sense that it's like, every time I talk about it, I'm just like, God, there's so much, like, interesting ideas in here. And yeah. I did really like the style bit of, like, every time someone died, the movie, like, stylistically would change to just a, a slasher movie. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it did enough with that, but I feel like that was a that was a an interesting like choice. I I think so too. I I think that when you um when you mix genres, uh it's a really tricky balance. I think there are filmmakers that you can look to for like a, an extremely good example, like Bong Joon-ho is a perfect example. He's like one of my favorites. Um who does that in like all of his movies? Um, and in, in this movie, uh, the, the sort of, they, they kind of, uh, the, the different sort of genres, uh, they, they didn't feel very well established as far as the pacing of like what sort of beat is going to hit when, um, like the, the, the funny parts weren't really funny enough and the scary parts weren't really scary enough and like nothing it was just kind of a little bit muddled um yeah i don't know yeah no that's that, that's fair like i said it's it was an interesting stylistic choice that i don't think really worked in the film's favor because overall the film didn't feel like a horror movie yeah. 
which was like could have itself been an interesting choice but it's like then you have these scenes that are played out as if they're horror movies right but not really with like an awareness of how to execute them so that they're stressful or scary they're just like oh suddenly the lighting is different and like mm. the way this 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 shot is framed and the way this scene plays out um I also wish they gave Tony Collette's character more yeah. anything <laughs> to do. Yeah, I mean... I, I did like her... Because, like, I think about how her role of being this, like, chaos gossip who just, like, keeps setting off a series of events by just, like, tattling on people for really no reason. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that would have been, like... That's, like, a really good idea for a character in this kind of movie. But they just kind of use it that... They use that trait of her, like, twice. God, yeah, she doesn't get very much screen time. Yeah. There's too many characters in this fucking movie. It should have been a miniseries. Honestly. If like, it, like on, I feel like if it had more room to develop everything, and then you can even have the bit where it's like it being a horror film happens like on the third or fourth episode. Yeah. And then that's more of a like twist to the movie, of, uh, to the series. Absolutely. And then you could tie in more of the ideas of like Velvet Buzzsaw. That's like the other thing is like, so the Velvet Buzzsaw person, she talks about how like the other people in the band like died of a heroin overdose. And the movie makes it clear that like that makes them real artists and not her because she like didn't want to die from drug abuse and stopped making punk music when she stopped being like in her 20s. Like I yeah. don't really get what the point of like, it's it's this weird thing where it's like this idea of like true art is it has to be made by people suffering and dying young and being unhappy and not making it with any hope of people wanting to see it or pay money for it which is really fucking cynical yeah and annoying and and a more annoying take on art than i don't know people who are actually like buying and selling art like you can say what you will about the fucking like annoying ass bougie la crowd like they are maintaining an art market at the very least yeah. that, that exists period so like and, and you know i don't know just 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 fuck you just fuck you it's weird because like the when the movie starts it it tries to introduce the idea that that's what the idea the other characters have because they talk about how john malkovich's art was better when he was an alcoholic which but, is like fuck that yeah which is such a shitty attitude and i was like oh this is one of the ways they're establishing that these are like shitty characters who only value people's art but don't value the people attached to them mm -hmm. but then the movie does yeah. that yeah <laughs> like, then the movie is like actually though they were right his art was better when he was an alcoholic yeah like and that's just true <laughs> yeah it's just real that he should have been an alcoholic god I guess that I just hate this movie's ideas about art. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like not even like a, a an unfun watch or whatever. It's just really, really like it just has such a tired attitude. I don't know. Fucking watch, watch your, watch your tone, pal. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, buddy. I, hey, buddy. I don't know shit about the LA art community. What are you doing <laughs> knowing all this <laughs> fucking fancy mancy school bullshit? God damn. All right, well... Talking about some fucking outsider art bullshit, like, I got... <laughs> like, I know, like, fucking, what's the inside, huh? <laughs> I did think the sphere was a cool idea for an art piece. I was like, I would, I'd go see that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, it. like, uh, fucking uh, Phantasm or whatever. <laughs> I mean, not the part where it kills you. I mean, the part where you stick it in there and it causes, like, weird sensations. And apparently makes you horny. Really? That was, like... Well, there was, like, some throwaway line where some woman was like, I haven't felt this excited since... 
like I banged down with my husband 20 years ago or something. It was some weird line. I thought the premise of it was like everybody gets their own distinct like tactile experience or yeah. whatever. Which makes Danny Glad just shoving her hand in at the end of the night really funny. It's just like, yeah. well, I'm drunk at this art gallery. I'm going to go uh, shove my hand into the sphere, get myself a unique tactile experience. I, I, I really want to like give people kind of like an idea like there, there's shit in this movie there's like the the paintings that are just like paint specs uh there's the paintings that are you know like all the modern art shit and then there's this like th- they try to pull some terry gilliam shit with like this fucking like robot animatronic thing oh yeah <laughs> hobo uh, man hobo man and fucking sphere which is like a which is literally magic yeah like it, it's <laughs> it's it's like literally magical realism rules the the, the tone is so inconsistent on like every aspect of this movie i i remember because yeah because like they they don't explain how it works which itself would have been fine but then they're like oh a, a mechanism of it failed and it ripped her arm off and i'm like what mechanisms are in this that can do that like the implication is just that it like gives you a tactile feeling are there gears inside of this yeah what's inside this thing that ripped tony collette's arm and gives people unique magical like sensations and experiences that are apparently like unique to every individual person and is an extremely exciting and enticing to touch but not enough so that anyone is treating it as anything other than like oh it's a it's an okay art piece God. Yeah, people, like, walk past it and, like... It's an engineering miracle. <laughs> yeah. It it makes no sense within the laws of physics at all. But, you know... And then the hobo man breaks Jake Gyllenhaal's neck. Which that is, was like, so this... weird. That was such... I did not get... Because then it was like, okay, so does Deese know about hobo man from before? Because yeah. hobo man was encountered in this movie... Before Deese is like before Deese was even dead, right? So what brought Hobo Man to the? I don't want to be like we're nitpicking cinemazen style. It's just it's like it was a weird thing to reincorporate back into the movie. It was of all the art pieces for him to get killed by? Yeah, and I know that they it's were Hobo Man. They were doing something on purpose where like none of Deese's work specifically actually resulted in like a death of a person. Yeah, um, it was really just like other other works of art, uh. Which I guess is theoretically interesting. I still don't know what like they were trying to. Other than like the, you know it being like about art in general as a general concept and like if you you know it, like I mean real art you got you got to kill someone you got to put a little bit of blood in it just like Deese did. Which just by like the way Deese we're gonna did. act as if it's really shocking and not something that's been done in art for like <laughs> probably centuries. Yeah, yeah. Like I love that she's like. She's like, yeah, I'm like, I don't even really want to touch it. There was tissue in it. And he's like, what do you mean? The artist's tissue. That's how we got these these dark browns. There's blood in it. And I'm like, that's like not, <laughs> that is not even close to like a unique idea. Bitch, I painted with blood yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I got blood on my wall right now. <laughs> um, God, yeah, it's just this weird idea of like art has to kill people and be dangerous for it to be good valid art or whatever fucking dumb <clears throat> i one thing i did like is that uh, i was reading up a bit on it and Deese is very heavily based on an actual outsider artist like thing where like this sort of like weird person who was characterized as like psychologically a serial killer basically just like a very 
mentally unwell person mm-hmm. who had a very fucked up life. Uh, and when he died, it was discovered that he had been working on this essentially manifesto and art form that was like really, really disturbing art. And like people like really responded to it really well. And I think that's kind of an interesting idea to draw from that. Uh, and so when they were designing his art in the movie, they were like, we wanted the art to like look interesting, but like we decided like we can't, we're not going to make the art that is like breathtaking that these people are seeing because it's like, that's not really what the point is. Mm. And I like that. I like the idea of not like they're not trying to make art that is like that meaningful. It within it, it's just supposed to be like you're just supposed to get that this art represents meaningful art. Okay. So it doesn't it doesn't have to like look meaningful or whatever. Mm. That that's something I I don't know. I I I feel like that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, and it did get me to learn more about that outsider artist who seems kind of interesting. Um. Mm. I, I think they could have had something more interesting with, um, like, the Dees backstory and, like, the mystery of it. Um, yeah. Because it kind of just fell apart. And I didn't really get with the thing where, like, the private investigator was like, ha, I found out that he was in an insane asylum. Mm. <laughs> okay. And maybe he killed somebody and his house burned down when he was a kid. And I'm I was just like, okay. I don't think the artist community... I don't think any artist community is like going to be like, oh, Deese, Deese is canceled. <laughs> Deese is problematic, and we this, can't enjoy this art now. This dead old guy who we, literally none of us knew about a week ago. <laughs> it's it's a real milkshake Deese situation. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I hate you. All right. Well, what you what would you rather have spent your Netflix subscription on? So that's like what is that? Twelve bucks now? I don't know. Twelve, sixteen. Fucking. They keep raising the goddamn <laughs> prices on the Netflix bill. Uh, um, twelve bucks. I I would have rather. So I have um. Hold on. I've got. So I've got this. It's a little metal plate of Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner, and Roadrunner saying beep beep. Yeah. And if I spent 12 bucks on it, I'd be pretty happy with it. I I'm didn't. Gonna, I spent like 3 bucks on it. I'm going to put the I'm going to put a photo of this in the video. Okay. <laughs> um Yeah, my 12 bucks. Yeah, I could have gone to a thrift and gotten something for my wall. Gotten some art pieces to put up. Yeah. Um What are you glad you didn't spend $12 on? A DVD copy of Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I I was going to say like one one hundredth of like a Damien Hurst piece or something. Really? Just, just, some, <laughs> art, just some shitty art. Because I actually do think a lot of sh- modern art sucks, but not because of like the user reasons. I just don't care about modern. I just don't care about art made for rich people. Yeah, I I think it's a complicated conversation. I think that a lot of the I, I think that a lot of the most met and necessary like modern art voices are. I don't I don't want to talk about this anyway. No, uh, no, okay, okay, okay. When I say when I say modern art, it's it's just because I am dumb as dirt, and so I can't be like, here's good and bad modern artists. It's mm-hmm. just one of those things where it's like sometimes I'll read about art and I'll be able to be like, this artist is making cool stuff. This artist is definitely making cynical conversation pieces for rich people. I want to take you to the museum at some point. Yeah, educate me. I know there's also Sculpture Park, and I do like a lot of the stuff at Sculpture Park. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Um, I don't like the giant distorted baby face tower, but that's just because I just don't like it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like it. I don't like seeing it. It, it, sounds, it. it sounds great. It's I mean, it's it's a good piece, but it's like every time I like walk past it, I'm just like, right, there's a giant distorted baby face on this tower, <laughs> and I hate it. 
Uh, my my favorite, not really my favorite, but like a thing that I think is really cute is that on the pathway to the sculpture park, there's um one of the sculptures just looks like a box and a chair next to it, and it looks like literally someone just left some stuff there until you go and sit on it and you realize that it's all concrete <laughs> and that you can't move any of this stuff on it. Like there's like. I think there's even like a, a an empty box of cigarettes that it looks like is on there and it's concrete. Wow. It's like a really I really like that it's stuck in the park in a way where you actually don't realize it's a piece until you go to sit on the chair. Yeah. Huh. I've never been to that park. So that was Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. So um our next film our next that we would like to talk about. Uh well, battle? okay. Well, we we do, I we're going to introduce a new segment to Film Critters Processes. Uh, okay. The title of this recurring segment is, How Far Did You Get Into Alita Battle Angel? <laughs> it is not a recurring segment. It is not segment. a recurring segment. I do like, though, if we ever have uh, if we ever have movies where we both didn't watch them all the way through, we just are like, how far in did you get? Yep. <laughs> Rue, how far did you get into Alita Battle Angel? I got to the part where... I... Fuck. I, I keep forgetting, like, what happens in this movie. But I do remember that I got to the part where um, it was right after Alita uh, beat up the uh, really, really big guy robot and the girl with uh, sword hands robot, um, who comically, uh, I might add, uh, jumped up to the upper corner of, like, where they were fighting and, like, hissed at Alita for no reason, which I thought was totally very funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I got to, after that, there was the scene where they were, like, talking about a bunch of shady shit. It was his uh, ex-wife who has a bindi for some reason. Yeah, that was weird. It was something where it's, like, that was probably in her original character design. Yeah. But... <laughs> I feel like they could have changed something about it to not have it just be why is does his wife have a bendy this whole movie? Yeah. So it's it's She's an Instagram girl. God. <laughs> she's a she's going to Coachella right after that. <laughs> so I got to the scene right after that where they were it was like the big guy who got like they decapitated him in the lab for whatever reason. Uh, it, uh it, that scene felt like like in the original it was probably very erotic. <laughs> Here's the, okay, I whatever. Anyway, I, I I got to that scene and they were like all really conniving and then I said fuck it and just gave up. Jay, how far did you get? I got past that. Um, so I got to the part where then her boyfriend her boyfriend takes her to go see Rollerblade Ball, which is basically Quidditch for what this film is hoping <laughs> to be a franchise and it's probably not gonna be. Could, um, it could be. We don't know. <sighs> I did, okay, Avatar, Avatar <laughs> Two is coming out. Speaking of, I don't know. If you, I, I don't know if you did. I did see it uh, in 3D as the commercials told me to do. Yeah, and I cannot tell you any reason why they tell you to, other than the ticket is more expensive, <laughs> which I assume is also why they released it on a Wednesday. Is I think they're just trying to boost the like numbers and make the movie look more successful than it was because hmm. it did. Ready Player One used 3D more effectively than this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. This, this at some point, I just kept forgetting the movie was in 3D until I'd take my glasses off, and I'd be like, "Oh, I guess it is." Yeah, because there's just there's no use to it, and there's a lot of like, uh, what's it called? Where it's like where it's like two characters talking, and it's like cutting between them, like over the shoulder. Oh God! It, there's a lot of shots like that, which in 3D looks terrible mm -hmm. because it's very sudden depth changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, she goes to plays rollerball for boyfriend. Um, 
we find out he's working for the second to big bad. We I never got to see the big bad. Um, and then he's like, I'm going to hire these guys to take out this rollerblade guy who has blades on his hands because it oh, turns yeah. out that that makes it really unfair. Yeah. Really I remember, unfair I remember for that. Um, and then her boyfriend turns out to work as part of the crew that steals blade hands for this guy, I guess. Hmm. Uh, and then they put it on the big robot man. And then Alita is like, dad won't let me have this robot suit body that I found in a sunken spaceship in the ocean, but which she also does. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to become a bounty hunter. And then she goes to the bounty hunter bar and has a big fight. And then the big robot dude shows up, kills a dog. She puts the blood on her face and then, uh, shoves her arm into his face. And it's one of those scenes where that was when I realized, wow, the source material for this movie is definitely very violent and editing it to make it a PG 13 movie makes it look like, fucking shit (laughs) it is it's so bad when you're watching a movie and you can just instantly tell that this scene was edited in a way to hide any violence that would give it a harder rating it's yeah i i so i will say i remember all of that up until i think i left right before the fight in the bar actually so yeah so you did we got almost as far almost as far uh, um, and then she says something to her boyfriend and then the the second laid big bad is like i know a way to get close to alita and then he sits down to talk of his her boyfriend and that's when i was just like okay i don't care mm-hmm. also she they give her her robot suit back that she has and she gets bigger breasts and <sighs> the the nurse character is like i guess she's older than you thought and i'm like this is weird yeah what the fuck <laughs> Like, like, not like, like, she doesn't get, like, Jessica Rabbit honkers. Right. But it's just, it's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. She's actually a 16 to 18-year-old, 300-year-old robot, not a 12 to 14-year-old, 300-year-old robot. Great, that makes it so much fucking better. Yeah, it really just added a level of, like, oh, this is kind of like, you, like, I get... In the, I assume in the manga, it has much more of a like symbolic meaning of her growing up and aging. But in the movie, it just feels really weird because she's like a nude robot most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I it's, also I hate the eye effects. The eyes, the eyes look really bad to me. The whole like, film. I was impressed by the animation. Uh, other than that, like I don't fucking get it. Like, I really don't understand. It's. This whole film, kind of like how Avatar was like, look at what we can do with a computer. Yeah. I felt like this movie was like, look, we can take an actress and then basically just remove all of her <laughs> and then put in a computer instead. Right. There yeah. were so many scenes where I'm just like, am I watching anything of the original actress on screen right now? <laughs> God. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Um, and I, I, I don't have any familiarity with the original manga, unfortunately, or the uh, OVA that apparently came out. Um, I'm really interested in checking them out. Uh, the feeling that I get, and it's kind of, it, it's kind of heartbreaking that it just feels like it has been strained through so many people and so much, like, and so much studio influence and so much shit that it just, like, feels really without a personality. And, and I will say that, like, Okay, I gave Ready Player One a pretty glowing review. Uh, I don't actually, like, legitimately like Ready Player One. I just think it's a really, really, really good dark ride. Um, yeah. No, no, it, it's, with Ready Player One, I feel like, not to, like, have people mistaken us in this, 
When we say, oh, it was actually better than we thought, what we meant is that we thought it was going to be miserable. <laughs> yes, exactly. We th I thought that Ready Player One was going to be as bad as Alita is. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be a, just a slog of noise mm -hmm. and compute cartoon effects that I don't care about. And it was, but it was just pig shit, stupid, self-indulgent enough that it was like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this movie, like Alita indulged absolutely at no time there was nothing that looked like i i'm 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 gonna get really mad at this movie because i just i just could not disagree with more with the art direction it, it just kind of looks like they headhunted like uh, 700 people from conceptart.org yeah uh, like the big eyes thing is just not interesting looking the, the one thing that i'm gonna give the movie is that the design of her original body is kind of cool I, I can guarantee that it's probably just line for line from the original text. Yeah. So, like, they can't even get points for that. Uh, and, like, that's the thing. So, having no familiarity with the source material, this is still a movie where I can watch it, and I can tell underneath all of this just, like, garbage, just, like, desperately trying to make a franchise and hoping that if you pull something from a source material, that that will be enough to put butts in seats that the original story probably has a lot of really interesting ideas to it, really great story, a lot of heart mm -hmm. to it. And seeing the product that Robert Rodriguez gives us, I I feel mad on behalf of the source material. Yeah. Not even having engaged with it ever. But it's just, it's like, wow, I can really tell that you really just did not give a shit about the original manga fucking, at all. Fucking for real. This like, is all just set dressing for you. <laughs> uh, imagine if we want, imagine if we made a fucking, like, instead of Akira being the movie that it is, imagine if they, like, tried to fit, fit that premise and do, like, a movie with the fucking same exact tone as Homeward Bound. Like, <laughs> it, like, they're trying to fit something that is so much bigger into this shitty shit. I cannot tell you how fucking badly written this, like, boilerplate-ass, like, coming-of-age story is. Like, and I'm, I'm coming down really hard on it, but I'm just, like, I don't know. I feel like it's worth coming down hard on it, not in a, like, outrage, like, film nerd way, but it's, like, this movie is just, I usually avoid spectacle films for exactly this reason. Mm -hmm. Because I, I hate seeing this much money wasted on screen. Yeah. And I really hate how movies that ostensibly are made for mass audiences are increased, are just cartoons. Yeah. Like they are, they have the simplicity of a children's cartoon. Where, like, which is fucked up because people that are making cartoons are at a level of filmmaking past Alita. Be, like, Look at fucking Spider-Verse. Like, yeah. are, are no, you No, it's weird how an actual cartoon movie that came out months ago is better and more interesting and compelling than this. Yeah, Alita Battle Angel um, is... Uh, is uh, it, It's just a sad thing to see for, for me. And I, I don't know, like, it, it might just come down to my aesthetic preferences and, and like, what I'm looking for in media. Um, but I don't want, like, a, like personality list like little girl uh mm, i love chocolate mm, chocolate it's the best thing in like it's uh, uh, the one thing i love about that scene is just is like here it's called chocolate and he hands her like a 
fucking brick. <laughs> like that's so much chocolate he gives her it's an and she just bites into it like it's an apple like she doesn't fucking care do you remember the part where they were going through this like market um and it was like this it was like this super super fucking high up catwalk that had that it was just like pipes that like were not protected there was like no railing or anything like that and it was just like a pike place market that was just like on the edge of a like thousand foot drop yeah that like people who were dressed like the way present day people at pike place market are dressed that was that was also really funny was just being able to tell robert rodriguez doesn't care because it's like oh look it's a futuristic sci-fi world here's like all these robots and then in the background there's a dude wearing like short like khaki shorts and yeah. like a fucking tony bahama shirt there's people wearing <laughs> rei in this fucking movie like are you kidding <laughs> it's so weird where it's just it's like you can tell what scenes were on a set and what scenes were on, like, an actual set and not a green room set because yeah. the people in the background dress, like, just, they literally just pulled people off Craigslist. Yeah, there will literally be a guy who's, There's a like, part where one of the guys in the background I recognized specifically because you could see him looking at the camera. Fuck. And he's the one wearing the Tony Bahamas khaki shorts combo. Oh, my God. Yeah, there will be a guy, like, a, a bounty hunter cyborg with a huge sword standing next to a guy in a fucking like north face jacket like <laughs> they did not give a shit and that's an aesthetic that should be great but it's it's extremely just it really shows just what level of like energy was put into this film it, it should be if you're gonna do it do it on purpose you yeah. know what i mean do, like, do it and like just just go be indulgent. It's and, it's the be indulgent. Be a Schumacher level self indulgent. Yeah. And I will say that like a, a production of this scale is really hard. It's hard to keep track of shit. I mean like it, making movies is fucking impossible. Like you know and and this one bar- just barely made it by the skin of its teeth. It was apparently like I I don't really quite remember, but I, I think it's been in development since the nineties or earlier. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember when it was announced, and then when they announced it again, they're like, oh, it's coming out. I was like, didn't that come out already? And yeah. I was like, no, they just started promoting it, like, really early, and then probably had to push it back. I'm assuming her eyeball tech, like, went screwy. <laughs> Prob- yeah, that probably took them a while to perfect some of that stuff, as far as, like, the uh, Uncanny Valley. Because I, I seem to remember that being a big problem during produ- production, because I... When did I first hear about Alita? So, Jesus yeah, Christ. The, the first trailer was released on December 8, 2017, and then it was going to come out last summer, and then it came out now. I want to watch that first trailer after we're done recording, because okay. I want to see if it even looks like... It even looks anything like... Uh, the movie that we got. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing like a short film or something that, that was like a tech demo. It's like, this is what the movie's going to look like. And I was like, I hope it fucking doesn't. And then it did. The the first first link in the Wikipedia for the trailer uh, calls it a creepy first trailer. <laughs> God. Well, I assume creepy because I, of well, the, the the giant eye special effects. Yeah. Because no one liked it. Yeah. And no, I'm assuming do, do people like it now? So I don't. Here, it still okay. looks bad. Here's the other thing that I want to talk about. This is a movie with a huge um, disparity between uh, what critics think and what. Uh, Audiences and think? what audiences think on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we also saw that with Hereditary, kind of in the opposite direction, where like people who, uh, like the critics really loved Hereditary, but like people hated it, which is you know understandable. I feel like a lot of people went in expecting a much different movie. Aquaman, same thing happened. Critics yeah. hated it. Audiences loved it. Well, I'm kind of like 
How, do we have the technology to run analytics on like bot Rotten Tomatoes accounts? Is what I want to know. Probably. Like, I honestly, honestly, would not be surprised, especially because both of those movies have the cart. The thing about Aquaman too, though, is I feel like the main reason why Aquaman is doing air quotes good and getting good press is because it's a DCU movie, and people thought and DC. There has not been any other good DCU movies except apparently Wonder Woman. Yeah. The DCU is like very infamous for all of the other movies in it being like Suicide Squad was like their second best one. Huh. And so I think it's I think it's people went in very low expectations and it being okay got it higher. But I am very very con- like nowadays I'm very skeptical of the 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 fake fake audience buzz going on. Right. Cuz you saw we also saw it with Bird Box where Bird Box absolutely had a forced viral marketing campaign uh-huh. because nobody I know who saw it liked it. Nobody I've seen talk about it likes it. <laughs> um but it was like most watched movie and like everyone's doing the bird box challenge and just like a lot of like tweets from accounts that didn't post anything. And suddenly we're talking about how great bird box was. It's the, I definitely think we're at the point of like big viral marketing where there's there is an astroturfing of, of audiences love it. Yeah. Which is frustrating. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it makes it harder like. Can't trust critics. Can't yeah. trust Rotten Tomatoes. I can't trust a number on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, I try not to rely on this sort of, like, review system. I don't think it's necessarily as important as people give it credit for being. It's not. It's nowhere near. <laughs> it's, it's it's how you end up with people continuously falling for Armin White's bit. Oh. oh. Armin Wait. White? He's like the... He's like the... Okay. I... I'm not a full Armin White apologist, but I've read enough of his reviews to be like, I think he's actually a pretty smart guy. Uh-huh. And I think he's like, but he's basically the contrarian and that he pretty much hates all pop movies, but he will occasionally just sing the praises of absolute garbage because he thinks <laughs> they're more interesting. Hmm. Um, but he's very infamous in those sort of circles who care about Rotten Tomatoes because he's always the person who gives a movie that is getting 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, the bad review, which is what lowers it to a 99%. Oh, So lovely. he's always just, like, hated, and people are like, he's a troll, he shouldn't be recognized on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like, who fucking cares that <laughs> one person doesn't like this movie? Um, the last time I remember hearing about him being in a big kerfuffle is... And, like, to, be, to preempt this, he is a black critic, but he gave a very harsh review to get out. Okay. And I read it and some of the ideas in it, I don't disagree with, but it is a bad review because he absolutely went in expecting to hate the movie and thus did not pay attention. And so his reviews full of like complaints that go like, he's like, he misses that the character at the start of get out comes back. Oh, right. Like he was like, what was the point of that scene? It was just to invoke like the images of, um, of like murdered black youths in America. And I'm like, actually like, that scene does come up later. Like that is that yeah. sets up something that is important in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that is Lakeith Stanfield. He yeah. is an important character in that movie. Um, uh, so it's it's a very sloppy review, like uncharacteristically so for for him. I would feel, but he's he's known for being a contrarian, and it's always just like people get mad that he doesn't like whatever blockbuster movie is getting good reviews now. Right. He also people got really mad at him because he didn't like Toy Story three because he was like it's a movie about playing with toys and I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's why that's why I'm like I'm not a full Armin White apologist, but I love that he will just hey, be like, Toy Story three is a movie about playing with toys, and I'm an adult. <laughs> hard agree. Um, 
I think if I remember, he also says that he loves small soldiers in that review. So he's got he's just got weird taste. But that's just it. Is he's that's, got weird taste and he's just raw about it. And I think that's interesting. You know, I without knowing anything about this person, I feel that the world is better with them in it and the, and their voice counted among the reviewing meshes. Hey, Armin White, if you're listening to this, you're valid. Yeah, li- literally. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, yeah, the whole review structure is, like, really bizarre, but whatever. It's, what did we think of Alita? It's not great. It's <laughs> not great. Um, $15, what would you have rather spent it on? Five. I mean, we didn't even really spend it on the movie because we lo- both left it. We, neither of us even got through the movie. <laughs> what would I rather have spent the money on? Uh, anything. I don't know. The man- manga cop, manga. Doesn't even have to be Alita. <laughs> Could just be any other manga. Would rather you know what a Blu-ray copy of Akira? Yeah, a hundred percent. Just is there anything you would have rather have spent fifteen dollars on? A fucking sandwich from the trash. I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. You know what? Um, so there's this place in Seattle called the Pizza Mart. Uh huh. And I really like the concept of it. It's like a bar, and they have pizza by the slice, and they have really good like deals where it's like uh you can get like a slice of pie and like a tall boy of Rainier for like three bucks. It's great. That's great. Uh, every time I eat there, it gives me the worst fucking shits. Really? So I would rather eat a. I I I'm glad I did not spend fifteen dollars on a pizza, but on like, on pizza and beers from there. You you're glad that you didn't do that five times. Yeah. Okay. Um, because that that would have that would have been more miserable than Alita. Because the thing is, I was able to leave Alita. You don't get to leave in <laughs> you don't, you don't leave. You don't get to leave a pizza mart after you leave. <laughs> that's that's actually... When I eat pizza, pizza does to me what I did to Alita. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, and then our, so our third movie is one uh, Brew did not watch. I, so I did not watch this third film. Jay, you went and see Happy Death Day to you. Daffy, happy Death Day. Happy death day to happy you. Happy dappy fappy. <laughs> happy feet too. <laughs> uh, happy death day to you. Uh, I also did not see the first movie. Oh my before god! Before I went and saw it, thankfully I didn't really need to. But it was funny too because they also give you a recap of the first movie in the trailer for Happy Death Day to you. Okay. And that recap includes what the ending to Happy Death Day is. Great. Which is really funny to me because like when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh. I guess I don't need to see the first movie. <laughs> I can just go see this one. Holy and that's shit. exactly what I did. Uh, the first half of the movie, you can tell they're having a lot of fun. And the second half of the movie, you can tell they just need to end the movie. Oh, my God. Um, it is so disappointing because it seems like they could have had so much more fun. Uh, in the trailers, they, sh- they have a montage of her committing suicide over mm-hmm. and over again. Um and then in the movie, that is exactly what happens is it's just a montage sequence. And I thought that was disappointing because I thought the idea was going to be like, she keeps having to redo these things over and over. And every time she fucks something up, she has to kill herself to reset the cycle. Okay. But no, oh, it, this just happens once. So yeah, what, what, for those who don't know, the Happy Death Day series uh, is basically the main character gets trapped in a time loop where she gets killed uh, different by like a killer in the first one and then this one by any number of things mm. and every time she does it resets the day uh, so in the first movie she has to figure out who the killer is 
And then in this one, she finds out that the reason the time loop happened was because of a science experiment her boyfriend's friend was doing. And then while trying to fix it, because then he gets caught in that time loop, while trying to fix it, they accidentally fuck up and send her into an alternate universe. Huh. Which is somewhat similar, but it's also the same day from the first movie, so she's reliving that again. But this time, the killer isn't who she thought it was, and so she's trying to figure out how to like reset, fix the time loop, but also figuring out if she wants to stay in this universe because she has a trade-off where in this universe her boyfriend is dating her, the person that she doesn't, who uh, she hates, mm. but her mom is still alive. And apparently, the first movie is all about, or is very heavily about, like her coming to terms with the fact that her mother is dead, hmm. and that being why she's sort of literally dwelling on death. So there's some kind of like interesting ideas in this movie. Um, it's very, very, very goofy and very fun, and like they have a lot of fun having it. The character is a huge uh, bitch, <laughs> which I really, really like. There's like a, a, a cute bit they do where because she keeps waking up and it's the same day, um, her boyfriend, not boyfriend in this universe, is like looking for something under his desk and he stands up and he's like, oh, you're up. And they just like, they play that scene a bunch of times. And in like one of the scenes, like near the end, she like, when she resets the day, she's like, Hey, oh, yeah. oh, you're up. Oh, I folded your clothes for you. What are you looking for under there? I've done this so many times and I've never found out what you fuck you're looking for. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, my, my retainer. I ground my teeth in my sleep. And she goes, Mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, there's lines like that and scenes like that where it's like, this is like a really fun character in this movie, hmm. which makes the second half being very, by the numbers boring and like stupid much more disappointing okay well i actually realized now that i real remember the premise of happy death day to you that i i have something to bring up yeah. um i watched russian doll <laughs> okay uh russian doll is also that say or like same premise like she not, keeps waking she up. keeps waking up it's it's her birthday party um and she has to, like, figure out... Basically, it goes into a bunch of trauma stuff. She has to, like, figure out what her, like, personal problem is. And there's, like, a lot of shit that happens. Um, I will say to you, Jay, and to you, our audience, I mean, like, most people are already watching it. But please watch it. No, yeah. It's, it's funny. When we went and saw it, Jovian was like, oh, this is the same plot of the show I just watched, Russian Doll. And, Russian, yeah. and I was like, how is it? And he's like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Russia, like... Go to Happy Death Day to you, I guess, if you want, like, the sort of blonde uh, slasher movie version of of that. And then go to Russian Doll if you want Natasha Lyonne uh, being the greatest character that has ever graced I, anything. I will say it was interesting. I was reading up on it. A lot of critics even are like, or, like, fans of it are like, oh, yeah, the sequel to Happy Death Day to you is better than the original. And one of them, they say one of the big reasons is because in the first movie... She starts out as kind of like the vapid blonde character. And so the point of the film is that reliving this day over and over causes her to like grow and change as a person. Okay. But in this movie, because it's the next day slash like her having gone through that, she's like just is that miserable, like kind of shithead asshole person. Mm. And so her character is already developed. And so they get to like dwell more on like her issues of like trying to figure out what's like what is the correct thing to do in this situation? Like dealing with like her mom is back alive, but she might have to choose to go back to the universe where her mother is dead. A lot of stuff in it. That's like really 
really kind of like interesting and benefits from the character being a fully formed character at the start of the movie. So if you're going to see any of them, you should probably just see the second one. Uh, it does end on like some fucking uh, Nickelodeon iCarly ass bullshit where the government oh, really? shows up and like picks up their. It's the after credit scene, like picks up the science experiment and they're like. We want to know more about... And, like, they go to, like, some, like, fake-ass-looking set, and they're like, we are really interested in this project that can put people into time loops. Uh, we need to run experiments. And then she's like, I know exactly who to put it on. And she puts it on the person that she doesn't like. And that's how the movie ends. Oh, my God. It's... That's that's funny, though. It's, yeah, it's it's very much... A, this is, like, a movie... This is a movie teenagers would love. Oh, yeah. Is, like, the best way to describe it. Is, like, sure. I, I'm watching it. I'm, like, oh, there's parts of this I don't like. But it's, like, oh, I don't like it because I've also watched enough movies like this that, like, once it gets too much into the rhythm of it, I'm, like, oh, okay, this is kind of boring. But if I saw this when I was, like, 15, 16, I'd fucking love this movie. Mm. And it's still pretty funny. The main character is still, like, very well performed. Um, I really like the bit where when the day starts over again, it's the same first day from the first movie. Uh, that's really she's interesting just, she's just running around just like screaming at everyone and like like there's like a there's like a bit where there's like a Greenpeace protest like a Greenpeace petitioner outside and she comes out and so from the first movie you know that she has had this Greenpeace petitioner approach her in the exact same way like 20 times by this point point. Sure. and so she just grabs it from their hand and just chucks it across the lawn and says ah it just screams and the person's just like you could have just said no and she's like sorry <laughs> And then continue storming down the hallway, just like screaming at people as the same events happen. Huh. It's it's really, really cute. And then I like that there's like a bit where she like stops and says something that someone else is supposed to say. And then she turns around and realizes the person isn't there. And she's like, that's weird. Oh. <laughs> and that's when it starts. She starts to realize that like this is a different universe. Also, like the killer, like isn't trying to kill her now in this universe. It's just like her roommate. Huh. Because she's like, Where, all right, where's the cupcake that you po- that you tried to poison me with? And she's like, ha, I didn't get you anything for your birthday. <laughs> just straight <laughs> up, just like, no, I didn't get you anything for your birthday, you oh dumb my- bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huh. I, I also like the bit of, like, in the montage where she's killing herself a bunch. Uh, there's a joke she has about, she's like, okay, we're going to go to the lab, but I need to change first. I'm tired of wearing this fucking outfit. And every time she resets the day, she puts on a different outfit. <laughs> that's that's really good <laughs> that's such which is such a like girl it's such a mood like literally none of these people are gonna remember you could get away with recycling your outfits and still every day is a different outfit god fucking relatable Ugh. it's I, not a good movie i didn't enjoy it that much okay but i i'm glad i gave it a chance yeah it sounds like it has a really good like sense of humor about its premise yeah hmm. it's it's a you're high on netflix movie oh yeah for sure <laughs> It is like the best. Can do. You're high and you saw it on Netflix movie, and like maybe you're working on something else while it's going while you're watching it. That makes sense. Because you can you can definitely tune out tune out like after the second Mm. half of the movie. Okay, lovely. Well, is there anything that you would rather have spent your ticket price on? Um, the Scream box set. Because if we're going for self aware horror, Scream still really really. Good. Okay. Is there anything you are glad you did not spend that money on? Um, a full ticket to see Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good answer. Another- <laughs> hey, happy death day to you. Better than Alita Battle Angel? Happy death day to you. 
better than Elite Battle Angel. Damn, I gotta I, go out and see it. I'm trying to think if there's anything we've seen lately that's worse than Elite Battle Angel. I, I think that from top to bottom, it is uh, the biggest tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> most <laughs> expensive tragedy. I think it's yeah. just because we both. I mean, honestly, it's not even like our problem. It's just we both avoid seeing spectacle movies. Yeah. Because even the spectacle movies I go and see, they're, like, dumb in the way that I want out of something like that. Like, right. fucking Rampage is actually great. I want to see it. It's really fun. Um, Venom is stupid and big. But it's, like... But but I like I like uh, the joke. I like uh, the jokes. It's funny. Um, Ready Player One is, like, is literally, like you said, it's, it's a, an amusement park ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real movie. No, yeah. This is just a waste of time. Alita Battle Angel is just a waste of time on yeah. screen. Yeah, absolutely. But Happy Death Day to you, thankfully, is not. It's so slightly better. Go see that shit instead. Yeah. Honestly. Um, lovely. Um, um, I guess I'll go check it out. Thank you so much. Yeah. So this has been a, another Film Critters Processes. Processes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, by the time you hear this, uh, our Scream... Uh, retrospective episode that we recorded basically we ran a poll on our patreon i was like here's a bunch of movies that i haven't seen and everyone's always like you haven't seen those uh, scream one we talked about it it should be on patreon so if you, right you want to listen to it you can go check it out on patreon yeah um you also put up episodes of film critters and film critters processes a week in advance i'm thinking for processes maybe we should consider and we can put it a poll to them like just doing three days in advance just mm. so there's less of a lead time on on putting out stuff about newer movies. That's interesting. Yeah, but, I think so. But yeah, that's a, those are the benefits. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash film critters. <laughs> film critters. This has been Jay Barrett. signing up. <laughs> God, that's annoying. Yeah. A very cute dog on Twitter. And I'm, uh, as always, at Fussy Baby Bitch on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. And, Don't f- and uh, I'll, I'll take a picture of my metal thing to send you. <laughs> the, my Thank you so much. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, uh, I picked it up and showed it to the microphone earlier. Like... <laughs> our, our friend, the microphone. <laughs> yeah, Have yeah. a great day. And we love bye. you. And bye.